Daytona Beach, Florida, spring break, 1998. I was with a group of college students and staff from the campus ministry I worked with on an evangelistic mission to engage other spring breakers with the message of the gospel. We went out on the beach two by two to strike up conversations with anyone and everyone we encountered. I'll tell you about one particular conversation I had coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. Today and every day on the show, we look to provide some spiritual guidance and direction to help you grow closer to Jesus. My name is Patrick Conley. I know it sounds kind of crazy, right? We were a group of college students and campus ministry staff from Minnesota joining with other students and staff from around the country at Daytona Beach during spring break, and we were there for Jesus. We had received instruction, training, and lots of prayer. Then we were set loose on the beach in pairs to approach other spring breakers to strike up conversations about what really matters in life. Now, on one particular day, my partner, and I, my partner and I came upon a couple of guys who looked to be a bit older than college age, young adults, though, probably still in their early 20s. And with their long, blonde hair and tan skin, they looked no strangers to the beach scene, surfers, perhaps. My partner and I decided to engage them. So we approached, and after our greeting, we asked them if they would mind a couple of questions. One of them seemed to scoff a bit and draw us to the side, but the other perhaps just out of being polite, agreed. I decided to lead with a question that just occurred to me in the moment. What, I asked, would you say the world needs most right now? What would you say the world needs most right now? He paused, apparently giving it some thought. After a bit, he looked blankly back at me and said, I guess I don't really know. And then he added, what do you think, what do you think it needs most? Now, I hadn't necessarily anticipated the turnaround on the question, and there were, of course, lots of options, God, Jesus, love, peace. But then a word flashed in my mind, and it was just as quickly out of my mouth. I think the world needs hope. He seemed to ponder this, taking it in, and we went on in our conversation for a bit, and then they begged off as they were packing up and moving on. We thanked them for their time and parted ways. Now, I'm not sure what fruit was born from that particular conversation, but I think if asked today, my answer to the question of what the world needs most might just remain the same. Hope. Hope is our topic on The Inner Life today. We'll talk about what it is, how we get it, why we have it, and how we share it with others. Guiding our conversation is our spiritual director. Joining us again is Father Michael Hurley, Dominican priest, currently serving as the pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Father, welcome back to The Inner Life. Delightful to be with you, Patrick, and all of our audience. I am hopeful for a wonderful moment uh, this morning. <laughs> How long have you been planning that one, Father? I gotta... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, just when you said it. <laughs> there you go. It's in the yeah. chamber. In the yeah, chamber. It's, in the, it's chamber. in the chamber. All right. Very good. I like that. I like that. Very good. Well, as uh, as I'm speaking with a Dominican, of course, I think it's probably appropriate that we define our terms here, Father. So why don't you start us off by telling us, what is hope, not just in, in your mind, but in the mind of the church, in the mind of St. Dominic, St. Thomas, and others? 
Absolutely. No, thanks, Patrick. As you know, Dominicans, we like our, our definitions. Let me give you a definition, which is a bit of a paraphrase taken from inspired by Aquinas and the Catechism. And it's this. It's that hope is undaunted confidence in the promises of Jesus. Undaunted confidence in the promise of Jesus. And I, I can kind of unpack that for you if you want. But Please, I, yes, yeah. Each, each, each kind of word or, or phrase, I think, uh, kind of encapsulates an aspect of hope. The first thing to, to, to say is it's undaunted. That is, uh, objects of hope, that's which we seek or desire, are particularly in the realm of hope when they are daunting, <laughs> when they are difficult, when we, in fact, can't see the way through specifically on how we might achieve the good that we want. In other words, hope is always drawing us to a good, but there are certain goods that seem that they're at the, at the top of the mountain, so to speak, or out of a reach, or elusive, or there's, we can't see the practical steps that we might take to get there. Hope has, if you will, this quality of undauntedness, despite the fact that it seems elusive, that we are frustrated, that it is a difficult good to be achieved, that we continue uh, to will it, to seek it, to desire it. So there's that undaunted aspect. And this keeps us, as long as we're doing definitions and we can unpack this later, but this keeps us from uh, the uh, sin uh, of presumption, where we think, uh, as we uh, think that the goods given to us by God are just God's in charge, we can just sit back, relax, and not do anything. No, there's a dauntingness to what, uh, to what the good that we desire. So that's the first aspect, the undauntedness. Okay. The, next is, the next aspect is really kind of at the core of it, and it's a confidence, it's a reliance, it's a kind of anchoring our will uh, in a way. So this is where I make a distinction between, uh, if you just look up, I think, Webster's or any kind of common definition, hope will be described in terms of a desire that we have. And while that's true, we have lots of desires, hope is a theological virtue, which means it goes beyond our desires. In other words, we normally use the word hope to say, you know, I, I hope it's a beautiful day, or I, I hope there's, well, I'm in San Francisco, so I, I hope there's a parking space where I go. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> or, or, or I hope for good health. These are all desires of our hearts, and we have lots of them, and they're good. We have lots of human desires. But hope is not just a human desire. Hope goes beyond human desire in, as being a kind of confidence. I, I think of uh, the uh, kind of medieval symbol for hope, I don't know, folks, where is actually the anchor, like a mm -hmm. ship anchor, sure. where it keeps, no, no matter where the boat is being, you know, pulled hither and thither in the storms and everything, the anchor keeps it rooted, in a sense. And, and that's the same for hope. It's, it's a kind of divine desire or kind of confidence, not in our own abilities, but a kind of confidence that keeps us rooted to the purpose and the goods that we seek. Um, yeah. So it, it beyond desires. That's the confidence piece. And then the, the final piece is that, they, the confidence is specifically rooted in what Jesus has promised us. <laughs> and this, I think, is a good distinction to make uh, because it um, lets us know that we have lots of desires, lots of things we want <laughs> or might want, but whatever we want, God knows what we need. <laughs> and the theological virtue of hope is truly only the promise that he has given us, and there's not a ton of promises in the scripture. Sometimes we think uh, that our faith is a matter of wish fulfillment. <laughs> so we're like, you know, if I believe in Jesus hard enough, 
he's going to answer every prayer exactly the way I think, or he's going to give me every good thing exactly when I want it, as I want it, when I want it. And of course, we know it. We know in our, if, we've, if we've taken, you know, 10 minutes of our spiritual journey, we know that's not true. But still, <laughs> it's good to refocus and to uh, kind of focus in on that fact that it's his promises that are uh, the object of tr- truly desire. The, the goal is to get our desires in line with his will and the gifts that he has for us. So they're in the promises of Jesus. And this, in a sense, helps us to elude the other kind of extreme, the sin against hope, which is despair. In despair, we say there's no path forward. There's no way I can do it. And the root of despair is because we're evaluating the situation based on our own resources. I can't do this. This is beyond me. Well, of course it's beyond you. (laughs) That's the whole point. But the the despair is kept at the door, kept at bay, because we've kept our eyes on Christ, the promise of Christ. Our confidence is not in our own ability. Our confidence is where Jesus says, I prepared a place for you. Ultimately, that's the ultimate moment of hope, where he says, I prepare a place for each one of you to as the disciples. And so the goodness of the heavenly reality, the fullness of the beatific vision is what we have our ultimate hope in, that face-to-face encounter with the Lord. But at least there's no way we could ever achieve that. And if to the moment we might despair, we say, no, we, we ought not to despair. We ought to keep our face and our eyes and our faith firmly fixed on Christ. That's the fullness of hope. The undaunted, to avoid presumption, confidence beyond our desires in the promises of Jesus, which keep us from despair and keep us anchored in and always pushing towards the good the Lord has for us. Wow. Okay. I think we're done. Thank you. Let's wrap it up. (laughs) No, that was rich. That was very rich, Father. Thank you so much. I mean, so many good things about the virtue of hope. Specifically in that, and and I am you know that that vision of the anchor. I can I can see now why the anchor is a is an ancient sign for hope, and and it comes of course. I mean, there's at least a relation to Hebrews six, uh, yes. verses eighteen and following. Um, we have taken refuge, might be strongly encouraged to hold fast to the hope that lies before us. The author goes on. This we have as an anchor for the soul, sure and firm. Which, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, that kind of thing, that kind of anchor. I can understand why hope would take up that kind of role in our spiritual lives. It's it's amazing. Okay, so I I want to get back just to just to unpack a little bit further. Um, I I want to revisit um, this undaunted to to avoid the sin of presumption, but specific this confidence that in the promise of Jesus to avoid the sin of despair. So sins against hope include presumption and despair. Is that what you're saying, Father? Yeah, absolutely. In, in any in the theological virtue of hope, you know, any of the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, unite us to God, and they do us in distinct ways. And certainly in this particular uh, theological virtue, there are ways in which we can, if you will, fail. <laughs> and the two most reliable and kind of extreme ways to fail, because there's always, between any virtue, there's usually two other uh, pitfalls, if you will, or ways to miss the mark to other sins. And it's not too much hope or not enough hope. It's not uh, rightly understanding what hope is rooted in. And so, the, the, as I said, the first thing is presumption. Take presumption, for example. And I, I'll just, uh, this isn't full-blown presumption, but, but it's the kind of attitude where we say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I kind of want, or I'll, I'll do what I do. And I'll maybe if I, if it's, if I'm, if, if I'm, if I'm kind of going through the motions, going to mass, going to, even going to confession, 
I'll just go and I'll just, I, I receive communion. I say my sins, I get absolute, but then I just kind of like, it makes no difference in my day-to-day life. In other words, mm. Sunday is for church, Saturday evening is for, <laughs> for confession, and Monday through Saturday is for just doing kind of just like where I'm, I, my, my biggest concerns are what's on my agenda, right? And frankly, that's a kind of, uh, and, and we're all prone to that. I, there's no, <laughs> I'm not trying to uh, make feel, people feel bad about, about those kinds of things, but it's kind of the idea that um, presumption is where we overemphasize the fact that God is in charge and don't realize that the spiritual journey is daunting and we have to be 100% all in. Okay. <laughs> it's not just going yeah. through the motions. It's like, yeah. Especially as Catholic, as Catholics we have, and this is, I think, a particular um, difficulty for, I think, Catholics, or at least a challenge, is that we have such a rich, robust ritual and sacramental life yep. that we can begin to, in a sense, just take for granted, if you will, and go through the rituals, participate in the sacraments, but to not do them in a, in a fully heartfelt way, and we begin to just become uh, kind of immune, if you will, to the reality that's there or take it for granted. And so there, there creeps in, that's where the presumption creeps in, that if, if I go to church on Sunday, if, you know, if I go to you know, confession my, in a yearly way, if I just kind of check the boxes, then I'm good. It's kind of a check the box thing. And that is, I, I would say, I put that into the category of a, not perhaps uh, the deadly sin of presumption because you're still connected to the Lord, but, but in the kind of the soft presumption category where we're just kind of checking the boxes, but not really realizing that the scriptures talk about, you know, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, <laughs> not a kind of, uh, not with a kind of servile fear, but with a, with the re- realization that, Everything we have is a gift from God, and we daily need to be relying on His strength and His power. So that's a little bit about, just give the shape of presumption a little bit. Yeah, I like that. And it seems like that, I mean, again, I'm not trying to to judge here, but it seems like there's a a prevalence of that throughout our our society today. And I will say this, is that I have seen in my own life that there is, I've seen the temptation right to, uh, to, at any given mass, at any given, uh, even confession, dare I say it, that yeah, I'm going to go through the motions and yeah, get what I quote unquote need. But then, do I let it really sink in and have an effect on my spiritual life? Right, and that's no. uh, yeah. That well, anyway, I'm our spiritual director today, <laughs> Father Michael Hurley, um, he's directing me as well as all of our listeners. So thank you for joining us here on the Inner Life. And uh, Doctor Doctor Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest from Pacifica, California, is our spiritual director. As we're talking about the theological virtue of hope. And uh, hope is something that is, I think, sorely needed in our world today. And, and I mean, this day and every day, but uh, maybe, Father, just some reflections from you about um, the other end of, of, uh, of sinning against hope, and that is despair. And there's, there's, uh, I think people could probably give a lot of lists for reasons for despair. You want to get into despair a little bit and what that means? Absolutely. So I think despair often comes just in our, our lives. And when we are in the midst of suffering, particularly when there's loss, when there's some aspect of our lives, uh, which is diminishment from who God has made us to be. And I think that one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, which is an icon for hope, is actually the up- this upcoming Sunday, the 6th of August, which is the transfiguration yeah. 
of our Lord, right? right. So as you know, the story, and just, just to just briefly mention the story to set the scene for our listeners, is, is that Peter, James, and John, Jesus' most intimate friends, are about to embark with the Lord into Jerusalem, where they're going to, he's said many times, and it really hasn't hit him yet, but he's going to suffer and he's going to die, and they're going to be witnesses to it, and it's going to be a moment when the sin of despair is going to be right at the door, <laughs> right, yeah. right at the doorway, right? And so, too, for us in our lives, when there is suffering, when there is a sense of loss, when we uh, are struggling, when we can't see the way forward, we just, uh, to put it in common parts, we just want to give up, right? <laughs> so spiritually giving up to say that there's no way that God could ever and this Holy Spirit could ever transform me or this situation or bring healing or wholeness and health in any way. It's just, it's done with the white flag I'm giving up. And so mm. the Lord knows that's there and how, how compassionate and providential he is to know that in that moment, they're going to need a little glimpse of what's on the other side in order to give them the hope they need to have the confidence in those Last Supper promises that he'll, he's going to give them. Just give them a little glimpse of why they ought to be confident to bring them through to the other side of despair. And so he, of course, shows his glory. He reveals uh, his divinity. He shows him literally his resurrected body. His, his body at that point is still passable. Obviously, he can still suffer. But he allows in a miraculous moment for his divinity to infuse his humanity to show them a little preview. It was like, it's like, it's like a movie preview, you know, it's kind yeah. of like a little trailer. Yeah, Here's right. what the resurrection looks like, right? Wow. Yeah. Here's what the resurrection looks like so that you don't become discouraged to the point of despair. And so in our lives, anytime I think we're suffering, anytime there's major loss, anytime there's that little voice, that little temptation, the devil on our shoulders, so to speak, that says, you're not worth it. You're not worthy. There's no way out. All those little thing, um, temptations to give up, to not keep going. The Lord wants us to remember and to connect with those little moments of transfiguration in our life that we did, those little signs of resurrection that we have, that he's given us from the past uh, that we might continue to go forward and know it's not our working, but it's his working in us. And precisely and I think this is the wonderful thing about the transfiguration is that it's not, it's just a sense of enduring the suffering in order to get to the other side, but it's precisely through, through our it. suffering. Yeah. It's yeah. precisely because of that loss that we are going to come to the fullness of what God has for us on the other side. So the, the hope is not just like grit your teeth, grin and bear it kind of thing. And, and it'll, it'll all work out in the end. It's, because you're suffering in this particular way, because of this particular temptation to despair, this temptation is exact is exactly, and I wouldn't necessarily say this to someone who's right in the moments, the throes of it, but if a little, with a little perspective, you can say the actual temptation to despair is a gift from the Lord, which exercises, if you will, that muscle of hope, <laughs> exercises wow. our ability to be able to stand firm to be confident, to be undaunted in the face of this loss so that we might be glorified with him. Oh, man. Good stuff, Father. Um, we might have somebody on the line here who has a different opinion on that. So, Tim, calling in from okay. New York, let's, uh, let's take him. Tim, from New York, good afternoon. Welcome. Thanks for calling the show. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Father. How are you? Good morning. Well, well thanks. thanks. Good. 
Yeah, my idea of hope, uh, I've been telling people for many years, hope is the delay to disappointment. You can hope all you want, and it's not going to change your circumstance. I know people are hoping that their loved ones will get better. I had a family that I know that their seven-year-old daughter died of cancer. They were hoping and praying. And the fact of the matter is, to me, is that you have to live life uh, with your two feet on the ground and a backbone. Stop relying on things that, to me, just don't exist. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, thank you, Tim. That's, I, I'm glad you brought that, that example up because it's precisely what, I, what I'm getting at when I say that our hope is not in our own desires and what we would want, but in the, in the promises of our Lord, right? <laughs> in other words, the Lord never promises an easy life. He never promises us. He doesn't even promise us health. It never says, if you believe in me and follow me, you'll have health in every way, <laughs> right? So we certainly can hope for that. We can desire that. We ought to do things that achieve that end. But there's no one in the Bible where we'll say we'll be healthy, handsome, rich, and, and famous, right? And to the, to the extent that we have those desires, those are not bad desires. Those are good desires. But specifically speaking, just as you say, Tim, you cannot, theologically speaking, hope <laughs> for the healing of a loved one. Why? Because we don't know if that's God's will in that moment, right? We can only hope for what he desires. Now, we can have a human desire towards that. We absolutely ought to pray for that. The Lord might actually use our prayers to be the means by which that person is healed. Absolutely. But we don't have access <laughs> to God's will in that moment. And so, as you're saying, I think very rightly, that if we pray for something and it doesn't happen the way we want it, that's not a sign that our hope wasn't strong enough. <laughs> that's a sign that that wasn't God's desire in that moment. And so it doesn't fall under that sense of hope. hope. I don't, does that make sense, Tim, to kind of blend those two things together? Because you're saying exactly uh, kind of what I was trying to get at with the distinction between our desire versus God's will. Right. I, I get from where you're coming from with the theological uh, part of it. But when you, people are praying and hoping for a job, praying, hoping for the uh, curing of their children, and mm -hmm. it has to go by God's will. You know, yep. you have so many people's opinion on, uh, some people say they know God's will, uh, people say you don't know what God's will is. I think, to me personally, I think the best bet for the majority of people, just, you know, I respect everyone's opinion and uh, the Catholic Church, but people have got to realize they have to do things on their own. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess just to, I, I want to I think I in in general kind of agree with your tenor, except I would be a little specific. I'd say we have to we have to do everything we can, and then we open ourselves to allow the God to do His will and His work in us. So in other words, do we know God's will or not? I, I think of here uh, Saint uh, <laughs> Joan of Arc when she says, uh, or or um, uh, Catherine when she says. I don't know if I'm in God's grace, Saint Teresa. I don't know if I'm God, uh, God's grace or not, in a sense. But if I'm, if I am, praise be to Him. If I'm not, help me to get there. So the same thing with God's will. I don't have, and I don't think anyone necessarily has, you know, state of the art uh, kind of knowledge that this is definitively God's will. Uh, unless, uh, you know, and, and be able to communicate to that, especially if it's not about us, except that we say, if I am in God's will, praise the Lord. <laughs> and if I'm not, help me to get there. So we're always seeking God's will. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's yeah. practical. Tim, that's reasonable, I think, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tim, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. And uh, certainly, even if you have an opinion differently than expressed by our spiritual director or by me, you're certainly welcome to call in. What we're looking for is comments on hope. How have you seen hope uh, active in your life? What has hope meant for you? And especially about the the divergence of, of definitions that we were just talking about with Tim and with Father about whether it's something based on our desires or is it something based on the will of God. How have you seen that come to fruition in your life? Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address, if you'd prefer to send us an email, is relevantradio.com. We'll be back with lots more on the virtue of hope here on The Inner Life right after this. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. What a great place to rest your bones and mighty fine for skipping stones. You'll feel fresh as a lemonade setting in the shade. Weather is hot. Whether it's cool, oh, what a spot. I'll bet you didn't know that song had words, did you? That's the Andy Griffith theme. My name is Patrick Conley. You're listening to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio, relevantradio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. And uh, our spiritual director today, Father Michael Hurley, Dominican priest and pastor of St. Dominic's in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And Father, I had Nick, our producer, play that specifically because I do have a little uh, question for you, not dealing with hope. Just so, um, are you are you familiar with which which cast member of Andy Griffith was the Dominican? I am not. Please tell me. This is great. Opie. No, really. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> Opie. Opie. Oh, you rascal! <laughs> <laughs> All right, just sorry. I no, I had, we, you guys, I'm a little slow on the update. I was thinking of the an, actor who's a, who's, a, who's a famous director now. And, yeah, and yeah, has, that's right. That's right, Ron Howard. Yeah, so, so I was thinking. I was like, is Ron Howard a Dominican laity or something? No, no, okay, no so right. You got, you right. got, you got me. You got me. <laughs> well, a <laughs> uh, couple things. I mean, I number one, we had to run an encore for our Monday show, so I didn't get to do Monday Punday, but uh, I also. I have to uh, call out my brother in Christ, Russell, for giving me that one. Thank you, Russell. I appreciate that. I love it. Well, We're well, talking. Because you, oh, sorry yeah. to add to that. Just, uh, once you get me going here, um, the I had someone who was a person here who said for years they didn't know what the OP after, so my name or any Dominican has OP just for the listeners, and it means order of preachers. In other words, our order, the Dominican order, if the formal title is not the order of St. Dominic, it's not OSD, it's actually OP order of preachers is not based on who, you know, our founder, but on what we do, on how we preach. So when you're talking about OP, it's, it's kind of there. Just for, if folks didn't realize Dominican, uh, the Dominican, uh, if you will, um, uh, signature or abbreviation is OP for the right, order of right. preachers. So that's great. Yes, thank you, for, thank you for the clarification, Father. Father is here to clarify all sorts of things today for us, but specifically around the virtue of hope. That's what we're talking about today, the, the indispensable virtue of hope that is a gift to us. And Father, one of the things that occurs to me is that, I mean, you talked about Jesus himself in the Transfiguration giving hope um, that was kind of a, a sneak preview, if you will, of the resurrection and everything. But 
I mean, this, as in all gifts, are given by God, and we see that maybe most profoundly through Jesus' death on the cross, and it's just such a juxtaposition of, I mean, can there be anything so hopeless as a man nailed to a cross, naked, you know, um, giving, I mean, he is helpless, he is suffering uh, just unimaginably. And uh, and yet, looking up, gazing at this crucifix, he is pouring out hope upon us. And uh, yeah, any reflection specifically on that? At the time of his death, he was giving us hope. Yeah, no, and I think it's it's you're, you're so right that it, to put that uh, in in stark contrast to a human hopelessness, which is yeah. this true despair, is the very moment at which Christ most powerfully <laughs> gives us the, if you will, confidence to know that there's no place so God-forsaken, if you will, <laughs> when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If, that, if those don't seem like words of despair, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. What, I don't know. What, that's the, if you will, the anthem of despair. Why am I forsaken? Um, but if you continue, of course, to read that psalm, we see that it's precisely at that moment that there's a kind of, um, cl- you go two ways. You can either as- descend into the despair or you can recognize that it's not my strength, it's not my, you know, my resources and my talents that's at the heart of my happiness, that in fact it's that confidence that the Lord will bring me through to the other side, and this suffering is what prepares me for and enables me to see, <laughs> if you will, that, that the fullness of his glory and actually participate in it. So I, I think there's an interesting um, a connection here with even that's occurring to me that uh, when Thomas, the disciple after Jesus' death, he says to Christ specifically, I want to see the wounds. <laughs> right, <laughs> In right. other words, and the thing is, is it's not like Thomas, we, we, the scripture does not record that Thomas was actually at the site of crucifixion. So because of his own uh, weakness, he wasn't actually with Christ all the way to the end. He wasn't there at the cross, but he needed that moment of seeing the cross, if you will. He needed to see the wounds. He needed to see the suffering. He needed to know that his Lord did suffer and die so that he might truly have that sense of hope as in his own story, going to, to India and, and, and dying himself as a martyr. He needed to have connection with that daily touch of those wounds in order to be grounded in the hope that comes and emerges through, if you will, the um, the strength of suffering. Mm-hmm. Very good, Father. Well, and and there's a uh, I know that we, before the show we had spoken a little bit about um, a specific uh, a prayer or a responsory that's in the Dominican yeah. tradition, right? Do you want to get into that a little bit? Tell us about yeah. Ostem Miram. Yeah, thanks for the setup. Yeah, no, because I, I I know I said that it's one of my one of my. Um, Mostly, there's lots of Dominican chants that are particular to our uh, Dominican spirituality. And I would just uh, invite the listeners, if you've never heard the Dominican chant, O-SPEM, so it's a capital O, and then S-P-E-M, and the word just, it's just the word for hope, O-HOPE, um, uh, and Miram is, the, uh, is a wonderful hope. So, O, wonderful hope, O-SPEM, Miram, it's the moment uh, that uh, revisits and memorializes St. Dominic's last moment on earth. 
to set the scene, St. Dominic had, as I mentioned before, uh, started this order of preachers, and it was in southern France, and it was just, frankly, a, a, a very uh, powerful but small initiative, and he was hoping it to bring it worldwide, but he had just started out very small, and the order was found in 1216. He's on his deathbed less than five years later, and as he's dying, those who, the, who were his original fathers are gathered around them, and they are beside themselves, not only because he's leaving, but because there is no instance of a founder of a religious order dying so quickly and the order surviving. That's just a fact. In other words, the Lord allows usually the founder to kind of have a little more presence to get the thing, get the project going. St. Dominic had not, the, the order had not exploded yet. It had not kind of taken off uh, in, in terms of numbers or in terms of its being uh, kind of universal uh, kind of project for the church. And there he is, he's dying, and they're thinking not only we're losing, <laughs> we're losing kind of the heartbeat of the whole thing, but who knows what's going to happen in the future. And right. Dominic, on his deathbed, is keenly aware of their, um, their angst, their anxiety, much like Jesus. I almost th- think of Christ uh, around the Last Supper table when they're like, Lord, where are you going? How can we go on? We, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you, you, can't be, you can't leave us now. It's only been three years, right? And in that moment, both the Lord says, I go to prepare a place for you, but St. Dominic says... He says, and he gives, this is his uh, last will and testament. He says, I will be of more help to you after I'm gone than I would have been or could have been if I would have stayed here. So that was his promise. His promise was to be a heavenly intercessor in a more powerful way than if he would have simply just been with his brothers, even physically on earth with them. And so, and it's, and so after he died, what happened? He's exactly right. The order it kind of exploded in terms of numbers, in terms of fruitfulness, and in every way spanning the whole continent of Europe and then emerging in, internationally as, as time went on. So uh, what's the, the, the order takes that as a treasured memory and composed this beautiful prayer and chant that basically says, uh, well, it just got to be even just to, just to, to, to pray it with you now or to read it with you now. It says, we pray a wonderful hope which you gave, and this is referring to Holy Father Dominic, to those who wept for you at your death, promising that after your death you would be helpful to your brethren. And then the little response is, fulfill, O Dominic, what you have said, and help us by your prayers. And then the second verse is, you shone on the bodies of the sick with so many miracles, so it's a reference to his earthly ministry, now bring us the help of Christ to heal our Sick souls, so to heal our souls, the the infirmity that you were able to be um, helpful with in this earth now cast down the Lord's grace to heal our souls and to make our preaching effective. And then once again, the response is is basically like Dominic, you promised it to be true. You know, fulfill what you have said and help us by your prayers. It's the most gorgeous chant. I can't. We when we chant it, yeah, I always get you know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's you know goosebumps, right? It's just a very powerful, uh, very connected moment when we believe that St. Dominic himself, Holy Father Dominic, continues to um, be an intercessor for the power of preaching. And even though, as I said, he left, in a sense, prematurely from, if you know, historically, <laughs> which might be right. fruitful, it's that power of intercession, intercession that we as Dominicans have as a particular aspect of our spirituality that enables us to be effective preachers of the Word. So we're rooted in that hope of 
heavenly intercession of our Holy Father, Dominic, and those who have gone before us. That's great. That's great. And uh, we'll put a, a link to that's this prayer in the show notes today, too. So if there's anything that you need to, uh, if you want to pull it up online, Ospem Miram, O-S-P-E-M, uh, and then Miram, M-I-R-A-M. Uh, you can look that up online and find it there, but we'll put a link in our show notes as well. Uh, let's go back to the phones, Father. We've got Brandy, who's been waiting patiently in Eugene, Oregon. Good morning, Brandy. Thanks for calling in. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, good morning. When you talk about hope, Hi, good morning, Father. Um, hope to me is means faith, right? Like as long as I'm living, there's still time. It's not done yet. God, God can work His will. I just have to keep going. Like progress is a process, and I just have to keep keep going and trusting in that process and His will. And it's not done until it's done. So, like when we hear the term "soon" in the Bible, right? Like, what does that mean, soon? So I just have to trust that soon. His plan for me will be complete. A- Amen. I couldn't set it my better myself. <laughs> Keep going. No, no. There is, a, I, and I'm glad you, you're you're stressing the undaunted aspect of of, of hope, where you just it's this side. Our ultimate hope, strictly speaking, is is heaven. But that promise that we'll be face to face with our Lord, and everything that leads to that is, if you will, singular moments and participation in that ultimate hope. Uh, we have. And so I, as you say, the keep going is what keeps us from giving up, which is at the end of the day, all the devil wants to do, there's the seven deadly sins. Let me, let me summarize it for you. The only sin the devil really cares about is whatever vice or sin or missing the mark gets us. It's giving up. (laughs) He just wants us to get to a place where we just throw in the towel. We say, I can't do it anymore. I am who I am. I'm just, and you just give up. So Brady, when you're, you're talking about just keep going, there couldn't be a better, uh, if you will, um, motto for hope in terms of kind of the, you know, subtitle as just don't give up, just keep going. Yeah. I like that. And then, I mean, Brandy made the, made the point that there's a, a deep interrelation, even though I know they're distinct theological virtues, father, but there's a deep interrelation between hope and yes. faith, right? Absolutely. You can't, you really can't have one without the other. They're, um, they're almost like two wings of a bird, right? Where you, you have to have both faith and hope because where faith is that trust uh, in God and is and kind of knowledge of God through trust, and that's really about uh, our mind. Hope is a really engages the will. So St. Thomas says the, the, the difference between faith and hope is where faith is, if you will, that intellectual connection to God, or the connection of our mind to God, uh, trusting that he is providential for us. He has our best interests in mind, and he will lead us. Uh, hope is which calls us to action, engages our will to seek that good in whom we believe. So our belief leads to hope, and when we strengthen our hope, it, if you will, confirms or strengthens our, our, our faith in that way. Yeah, yeah, very good. Again, our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley, from the from St. Dominic's in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and we are talking about hope today here on The Inner Life. If you have comments on hope, questions about how to hope in a specific situation, uh, that you may be facing even right now, give us a call, 888 again, 888 or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're going to take another short break, but we're going to be back with more of the show right after this. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Tis a song, a sigh of the wind. 
times come again no more many days welcome back to the inner life here on relevant radio my name is patrick conley my thanks to nick centovich our producer and to thomas angus for taking your phone calls and to our spiritual director father michael hurley dominican priest from pacifica california he is with us to explain uh to us about the virtue of hope yeah, I still, as my the opening in my show said, in the show today said, I, uh, I I just think that the world needs a lot of this hope, this hope that transcends, as you were saying, Father, transcends even our own desires, but actually leads us, is uh, kind of sure and certain hope, which uh, the Bible talks about. And I think our next caller actually might get into this a little bit as well. Um, Mike is calling in from Arizona. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Welcome, gentlemen. Um my question about hope is, first of all, when you consider that it's a theological virtue, we can't ourselves create theological virtue. It's a grace given to us. So That's right, yeah. We don't have control. Okay. Go ahead, Father. No, no, go. Sorry, ask your question. I didn't mean to jump in. Sorry. But you're right. You're right, that's 100%. Okay. Yeah, so that's the first part. The second part would be that little mystery to me, the book of life, who's in it, who's not, can you be added or taken away from it? And then you add in things such as... Uh, Wailing and gnashing of the teeth, narrow gate, yeah. the broad road, all yeah. that. And even St. Paul was not sure of his of his salvation. So I have hope that God's will will be done. I don't have a lot yeah. of hope that I will be included in heaven. Oh, okay. So that, so so I, I I think you're using as as you um are laying it out, there's the the what you're speaking to is and that's why my little definition is is has that first word is undaunted um you are so right that jesus makes it very clear that the road (laughs) to heaven is not easy (laughs) and if we think of our life and ourselves and kind of if i gather up my own you know spiritual resources i think oh boy (laughs) this is going to fall short right so as you say I, i don't have a lot of hope that i can save myself and that outside of god's will there's any hope for me uh but yet this is why what keeps us from despair, and I hope, <laughs> and I deeply hope, Mike, that um, uh, the Lord uh, gives to you and, and that you can have that peace of mind and heart, that confidence, that it's rooted in the promise of our Lord Jesus. And he has very specifically promised us not health and riches and fame, but he has promised that he has prepared a place for each one of us who believe in him. So he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, will, will I not come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be? That is in the scriptures. That is God's deepest desire for each one of us. I'll put it this way. He wouldn't create us if he didn't want to complete us, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, and he wants to complete us by simply being in his presence, seeing him face to face. And so we need to be undaunted despite the pitfalls, the narrow road, our own uncertainty, the recognition of our sinfulness, that we know that we're, we're, we're rapscallions, right? <laughs> that we're, we all have our, our little selfish ways, that it's that promise that he will bring to completion what he has created. Wow, it's a it's a great point, and I'm I'm grateful for your call, Mike. Thanks for calling in and bringing it up. And and I think um, a lot of people may be tempted away from hope, tempted into that position of despair, just by looking at their own life and and recognizing yeah. how far they've fallen away. Um, yeah, I know. You know, and there's there's just and what's the what's the antidote to that, Father? I mean, if if someone finds themselves in that situation where they are tempted toward despair because of recognizing their own sinfulness. I mean, what what should they do? 
Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. And it's not a, and it, you'll you hear this sometimes with even folks who perhaps have fallen away from the church or drifted away. They'll say, you know, Catholic, all this Catholic guilt, all this sense of uh, I'm less than and I'm not doing the right thing and I'm sinning and so forth. And it becomes overwhelming and they either despair or they perhaps just away from the faith. Although Catholic faith's not for me because it puts all these burdens on me. And Although the Lord makes it very clear that we need to start there, we need to acknowledge our need for salvation and our own lowliness, if that gets stuck there, if there's not the other um, movement or, or kind of to... Uh, his grace, then we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna lose it. So what's the antidote to uh, kind of focusing in on our sinfulness, our fragility, is always the power of his grace in our lives. And what this looks practically like is if someone comes to me and says, I'm really struggling, I don't see the way out, what I'll say is that there's, there's no life lived <laughs> in which there isn't some glimmer of hope, that is, some moment that we can recognize that God is at work, God is present. To just say this very simply, that gratitude and acts of gratitude, acts of thanksgiving, are the heartbeat which help to support and to form and bring, make hope fruitful. So when someone says, you know, they, they were really struggling in life and so forth, and I just had this little uh, moment where I just, I just said, well, you know what? You're here, you're struggling but you're still here, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're still right. here. And in fact, they, there was someone who said to me, they said they just had a hard time getting up in the morning. And I just, I had this little inspiration. I said, I said, you know what? I said, what if I give you, gave you a million dollars right now? I've got, I can yeah, take up a collection. We can give you a million dollars right now. But the only caveat is you wouldn't, you wouldn't wake up tomorrow. That this would be the last day you would use not wake up. And then be like, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take tomorrow <laughs> rather than the million dollars. And then I said, well, how much would it take for you <laughs> to, uh, monetarily wise, practically, in order not to wake up this morning? And they're like, well, I don't know if there's any amount of money. Yeah. I said, tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning when you wake up, say to yourself, today is priceless. There's no amount of money I would have taken yesterday <laughs> in wow. order to experience this moment now. Good morning, Jesus. <laughs> Help me to carry on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I love the analogy. And, I, and it's a great question. It's something to put you a question. You put to yourself every every morning or every day, I think. And, and today is priceless. That's right. Uh, we're down to our final minutes here, but let's take one more call. Monica has been waiting patiently in Colorado. Monica, thank you for calling to into the inner life. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I know we're on short on time. So really quickly, I just wanted to comment. I have two uh, extraordinary stories regarding hope. My first one and more current one would be my 11 year old daughter was diagnosed with liver cancer last year. She went through whatever she needed to go through. When we first heard about it, um, we could only hope that it was the minus the, the very little bit that, you know, that she can go through. We were hoping for the best. Well, she went through surgery and she went through everything, but I, I have always based myself on faith and I connect it with the hope. So we hoped for the best, but you know, the outcome was much, much bigger because I left it up to him. She's out of it. She's 11 year old daughter, 11 year old little girl doing what 11 year old little girls do play, run, jump, and she's fine. And the other big one that I have was my 19-year-old, now 19. At four months pregnancy, I was she was diagnosed with hydrocephalus. They told me she would be a vegetable. 
she is no vegetable, let me tell you. She's 19. She's graduated from school. She, you know, I, I, my, my hope was that let's hope that she's not what the doctors say. And, you know, you see her now. She's at school. She's bright. She's slow. But she loves life. And that's where I hold my faith and my hope with. My Lord is going to do everything possible to make everything come out the way he wants it to be, not what I want it to be. Amen. Beautiful stories of, 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 of transfiguration <laughs> of God's glory. Thanks for sharing, Monica. Right. right. Yeah. Thank you for that, Monica. Great stories. And uh, thank you so much for sharing them with us all uh, here in the inner life as we're talking about hope. And, and there again, I think just to highlight her final comment there, Father, for you is that, I mean, she's just saying God is going to work things out according to what he wills it to be rather, rather than necessarily what I desire it to be. And that's again, to go back to where we started from, that's really the essence of the theological virtue of hope that it transcends our own desires. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is why, as you mentioned before, and was mentioned before, it's connected to faith, because faith is trust <laughs> that God has us in his hands. And so that hope is confidence in that relationship we have and the confidence that our, our divine father knows best. And if we seek him and are not undaunted and we don't either go on the cruise control of presumption or we throw in the towel of despair, he's going to lead us reliably to that place he has prepared for us. Mm-hmm. It's a great reminder and great things that can come of just uh, reflecting a little bit on the great gift that God has given us in this in this virtue of hope. And especially as we enter into Mass this weekend, as we're celebrating the Transfiguration, and as we see that, again, kind of face-to-face, it's presented to us, just picturing ourselves there with Peter, James, and John on Mount Tabor and watching our Lord transfigured before our eyes, knowing that death, even his death, our death, is not the end, but it's as as you said, Father. Just maybe one final reflection from you in our closing minute here, um, before we ask for your blessing. Um, even in the face of the the worst suffering that we can imagine, there is still cause for hope, right? And I would say not only even, but I would say precisely in that moment. <laughs> in other words, it's that moment which opens our heart to receive the vulnerability of our heart and our lives opens us up to receive the deepest desire of God, and that is his presence in our lives. So it's through that suffering that precisely God is going to work his will. He's going to bring us to that place he's prepared for us. He's going to love in with and through us in that way. And it's so we embrace as he does. The, the One of the greatest images of hope in the Bible is when Jesus embraces his cross because he knows it's his Father's will. And he's going to do it, and even though it's daunting, he embraces us. He lifts it, he carries it, and he transforms it. Yeah, wow. All right, well, I've certainly got a lot to chew on here when it comes to hope. So thank you, Father, as always, for being our spiritual director here on The Inner Life. And uh, just some really, really good stuff for you today. And I, I'm hope, hopeful. See, now I'm doing it. I'm hopeful <laughs> that it has borne much fruit in, uh, in many of our listeners' lives and will continue to do so. Father, as you know, we always like to close the show with a blessing. So if you would, please. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace and his hope. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, just so many great things that Father Hurley has given to us today. So if you missed any part of it or would like to share it with others, please do go to relevantradio.com slash inner life and you can share and listen again to the show there on uh, on the Relevant Radio 
uh, app and on relevantradio.com. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking about fraternal correction with our spiritual director, Father Bobby Blood. That should be a great conversation as well. Hope you can join us for that. Coming up next, of course, is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant today, Father Matthew, Matthew Seminar. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, grace and peace.